Picture it, Los Angeles, 2023. Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you're ever going to need to listen to. I am Sadie Pine slash H. Allen Scott. And I'm Carrie Doherty. And this is the podcast where we used to watch an episode of the Golden Girls and then talk about it. Oh, and we also watched the Golden Palace. But we ran out of all those episodes. And so now we do whatever the hell we want. And you know what? I'm going to change our intro mm. because I feel like all we've been doing lately is watching episodes of the Golden Girls and it's talking true. about it. So <laughs> it is true. And also, I know we're going to keep saying this is the only Golden Girls podcast you're ever going to need to listen to. But all we do is plug other Golden Girls podcasts. I know. Podcasts. I know. Our intro is classic and yet archaic at the same time. I kind of love um, that, though, about us. I love that. Yeah. Okay. I'll keep the only Golden Girls podcast, and then there will always be an asterisk that says like, but also listen to um, Enough Wicker and So Good yeah. Naked and Doctor Cheesecake. Oh, um, totally. So, guys, it is almost Halloween. Oh, I'm so, so scared. I know I'm so scared. Uh, <laughs> so we have decided for the rest of the month it's going to be a golden spooky October. <gasps> We've got some really fun stuff lined up. Like we're gonna watch and talk about a Halloween TV movie that Rue did with puppets. Thanks That's to coming. somebody, so a, a fan sent that in. I had no idea it even existed. Oh, I did. Did you? Oh well, we'll yes, get to that. We'll I to did. That. Yeah. Um, but for today, we're gonna do a golden rewind where we go back and rewatch our favorite episodes of the Golden Girls and offer new insights since we first started breaking down these episodes back in 2014. Um, and today's episode is season one, episode 25, The Way We Met, aka the Golden Girls origin story, aka the one where they're all up late because they watch Psycho, which is totally on brand with the Halloween season. Well, yeah, completely. But it's also hard because like, you know, the Golden Girls and I was talking about this with Michael in the car the other day. Sitcoms really didn't start doing Halloween type episodes. The Cosby Show did a little bit, but it really was Roseanne that like really made the Halloween episode of TV shows a thing. And then TGIF, of course, really exploded it. But so the Golden Girls don't have like a traditional Halloween episode. And why would they? They're a bunch of adults living together like I mean, then again, The Office has amazing Halloween episodes and there are a bunch of adults working together. So who knows? But it they don't really have it. So it was hard to sort of narrow down the scariest one. But I thought like the iconic gif of Sophia with the with the knife coming into the kitchen. I mean, that has to be the scariest, the scariest thing on the Golden Girls. But also what really makes this episode truly, truly terrifying. Some might even say horrifying. Is the prospect that there was a chance the girls would not live together because they didn't think it could work? How scary is that? I agree. That is actually the most terrifying thing, especially knowing it was the season finale. Oh, God. Are the girls going to break up? What's going to happen? Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I I was also like, oh, yeah, they never did a Halloween episode. I feel like sort of the closest thing to what feels like a Halloween episode is like the fever dream where the girls are all frozen heads on the kitchen table. Maybe the case of the Libertine bell because there was a murder, but you know, Mm. we just watched that episode. Um, Or I was like, maybe the break in just because it addresses a fear that so many of us have. And it has that iconic, um, the iconic sort of rose in the parking garage, which is still, I mean, 
if you're a Golden Girls fan, I don't know how you walk through a parking garage. I don't. Because I always am fighting the urge to not have someone film me as I run and say, oh, like it's it's all I want to do in parking garages. If you're if you are like this too, please sound off in the comments of this post on Instagram that we do for this episode because I want to know how scared are you in parking garages? Oh, I carry like pepper spray with me. Do you really? All the time. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so funny. I don't, but I just want to be like Rose. And, and I also want the little wedges that she had and her like little day dress that she was in. It was just, it's just, I need to recreate that as Sadie. I definitely do. Yeah, that was, it really is. I, I, again, I watch way too much true crime, but it was absolutely horrifying for me. Was um, it really? Oh, that's to, so to, Yeah, to watch that episode where, oh, just the idea of like somebody creeping up behind you. I mean, it's not just a me thing. I'm sure that's like a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, dear God. I definitely have um, that too. I have that in my apartment. Like I think about our lock on our door and I'm like, oh, is it strong enough? You know what I mean? Like those, these are the mm -hmm. thoughts that I have. Yeah. Um, are you going to dress up for Halloween this year? We had talked about that. Yeah. I mean, the idea is, I mean, we have, we're traveling around Halloween. So it's because we're going back to see my family and see the kids with Halloween and like all of that. So I'm bringing Disney Halloween stuff back. So it'll be like a, a nice little Halloween moment for us. But if we do dress up, the plan is to dress up as, um, from the Adams Family Values as Joan Cusack and, um, oh God, I'm blanking on his name. Help me. The one she marries. Fester? Fester. Fester, yes. With the hair. Remember that he dressed up and she's wearing oh, the orange suit? Oh, yes. I'm going to text you a picture when we hang up. Because oh. Because that's what Stan dressed up as for Halloween ah, a few years ago. You have. Did you dress up as Joan? I didn't. I was Wednesday, Adam. Oh, my because God. I, mean, I didn't. I know. I already had the wig and the outfit. I mean, but I do. Yeah. I will say, Joan Cusack, what's the line when she's like, but I didn't want to be Malibu Boo, Barbie. Barbie. Yeah. It's, it's so... It's just he so is, good. She, it's I a mean, you and I talk about how much we love Joan Cusack. Yeah. I'm going to tell Stan that that's what you're doing. Because Stan prides himself on those sort of like deeper cut Halloween costumes oh. where one year he was like, I'm going to do Zoolander. But then he didn't want to dress up as Zoolander. He wanted to dress up as Mugatu. But not just Mugatu. <laughs> Mugatu dressed up as the little boy with the lollipop wow. when like he's like having a dream or something or he's Jeez. he's like being hypnotized. He always does these deep cuts. He wanted to do Marty McFly, but not just regular Marty McFly. Marty McFly from Back to the Future Part 2, but not just the Marty from Back to the Future Part 2 that you know. He wanted to be the dad, the old Marty with the double tie. Oh, my. You know <laughs> what he should do? You know, so he likes to do these deep cuts. So he will appreciate that you wanted to be that fester I would with love... like the turtleneck and the bowl cut wig. Oh, totally. I'm not doing I'm not doing fester. I'm doing Joan. Thank you very much. Of course. Michael yes, yes. is doing fester. Um, it would be great if he did a Marty McFly or if anyone does a Marty McFly. This is a deep cut Marty where it's just the pink shirt or the salmon salmon sort of colored shirt and the Calvin Klein underwear. And that's the costume. Mm. That's the costume. Like, That's a good deep cut. How good of a deep cut is that? That is so yeah. good. Oh. I will say the costume, I'm Halloween costume I'm most proud of is when back in the day when I lived in New York, I dressed up as Jerry Blank from Strangers with Candy. So I'm good. sure I've talked about this on the podcast. So good. And I walked around in character all night and I was like, I put the outfit together from like going to Goodwill, collecting things, put on the ugliest wig, ugliest makeup. <laughs> and I walked around going like... I cried when I had no shoes until I met a man with no feet. And then I laughed. 
really hard <laughs> not to sound ableist by saying that that's yes. she's a piece of shit human being yeah um and anyway my so my, was... my best costume probably ever or my most fun one i should say was i mean i dressed up as fan fran dresser a couple of years ago and that was really fun um but i as from the nanny of course i but my favorite probably is dressing up as julia child it was like like my first year here in la and i went to weho which i'll never do again because it's too crowded for me but i had like a little like spoon you know that i would walk around with and i had the whole julia child get up and everything and i could just go around spanking people with my spoon and it was just it was just a fun night just to being able to spank because in we hope spanking's okay so, spanking is great yeah, yeah yeah um but i wanted to ask you from this episode because i love scary movies i love scary movies just last night michael and i saw the new exorcist film not great not great but i got some style tips from ellen burstein so we're good um but uh I love a scary movie, and because they watch Psycho and were the, this episode is sort of themed around Psycho, I wanted to ask you, what is your go-to scary movie? Well, hmm. you and I have talked about, I know we've talked about scary movies in the past, and I've talked about how much the Blair Witch Project scared the shit out of me because mm. I was a teenager when it came out, and um, we all thought it was real because they hadn't yet said it wasn't. Yeah. Um, so that movie scared the shit out of me. Signs scared the shit out of me. Oh, signs um, really aliens scare you. Um, yes, but it was it was until it was scary until I saw until they showed the alien. When they showed the alien on the TV, when it was just like the threat of the alien with all the sounds, because the sound design was phenomenal in that film. Mm. And then uh when you and then when you saw it in the, the reflection of the TV, up until that point, I was like, Oh, this is so scary. And then when I actually saw the alien, I was like, eh, okay, it took me out of it a little bit. Mm. So what I would like to do right now is recommend an amazing oh. horror film that I saw like a few months ago with Stan. Um, 2022 horror movie called Barbarian. Don't look it up. If you haven't seen it, don't look anything up about it. Just oh. watch it. Wait, I think I saw it and I think I didn't like it. <laughs> it, is a move, it, it is a movie where you think you know what's going on and then you don't. And then you think well, you know what's going on and then you don't. And it is. Oh, yeah. This movie, I guess, was really hard to sell. Because we need to talk they, about so, that because I hated that movie. Oh, well, I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, I won't spoil. Um, we won't talk about it on, on the let's podcast. Talk about it, let's talk about it offline. Literally, Michael and I watched I that movie it. and then afterwards we were like, what the fuck? Like, we literally we literally had a moment of, what is this about? But I mean, you know, it's a, that's, what, that's what horror movies, that is what's great about horror movies is that they are often hit or miss with people in terms of you either love them or you hate them. And fans of horror are just like that. My, I tend, I'm not scared by aliens. I'm not scared by supernatural things. Well, no, I, maybe a little supernatural. I'm scared by ghost stuff, maybe like paranormal activity stuff. That kind of frightens me. But I'm not scared by things that are so unrealistic, like Freddy or like any things. Oddly enough, though, Michael Myers in Halloween does terrify me. There is something mm -hmm. about like a just a, a mad killer that is just sort of, too much for me. You know what I mean? But not like in Scream. Scream is a little too fake for me. But the, the mad killer part, that's also The Ring. The Ring really frightened me back in the day. Like, mm -hmm. I remember watching The Ring. Not frightened, but being sort of bothered by it a little bit. And also the the um, the, the, the original version of it was just, like, also even more terrifying. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Scary movies just don't really scare me. But I really love them. 
a lot. What about the, I mean, the shining is obviously that's a slow burn. The shining, scary movie. The shining to me, what's weird about the shining is it is. Yeah. It's scary. Sure. But I don't see it as a scary movie as more of like a, like a sort of like a study on someone going insane. You know what I mean? Because that's kind of what it feels like to me. It's just someone literally. But wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be terrifying if you and Michael went away like to a hotel and then you just lost Michael? Sure. Yes, that would be. And Michael is trying to you know, kill you. That shit does scare me, though. Like the real life stuff of like someone going missing or like anything like that. Like anything that is closely connected to real life and could potentially happen. Oh, shit. That scares me. No, ma'am. Can't do that. Like people kidnapping people and stuff. Or there's this one Argentinian film that terrified me. And it was it was um it was this I forget the name of it now, but it was about a cop who's hunting down this missing person slash like a killer person as well. And then it turns out that the person's been held captive at this farm for like 20 years in a cage, been kept alive because he like raped the farmer's daughter who was the one murdered. And so the cop was looking for the killer of the woman who was murdered. And it turns out the dad of the woman had kidnapped the rapist and just held him hostage and tortured wow. him for 20 years. Shit like that's terrifying, terrifying to me. But because it also plays in your emotions too. It's like, do you feel bad for the rapist or the father who committed the crime about, you know what I mean? Like, who do you mm. feel bad? That stuff is so scary to me because it's a moral dilemma. Well, on that note, <laughs> should we take a break and then talk about the Golden Girls? Everyone's going to have a deep think. And then, yes, we'll be back a with something think. fun. So I have to say, with this episode, what a fun idea to end the first season of this show. Genius idea. Because the show was already, I mean, the girls knew how big of a hit this show was. This show was insanely huge at this point. So in order for them to, like, do this and just have a little fun, genius idea. I also wonder if at some point Susan Harris thought about doing this for the pilot episode, sort of a premise of like, hey, here's these women who are all very different, but they meet and they end up moving in together. Yeah. Um, I just, I wondered. Um, the thing I really loved about this is like, it really genuinely felt like the women were meeting each other for the first time because yes. there's like re these really formal things that you'd see when you're first meeting someone and things that we really haven't seen since in the episode, like Blanche, when her and Rose are at the supermarket, she goes like, oh, you're a wild girl. Like she calls her yeah. girl. Like she's like, girl, you're wild. Well, there's she, also like, uh, similar to that, never called a girl, but similar to that, there was a moment when uh, Dorothy comes over for the interview or whatever yes, it was. And that as well. She almost is like speaking in a British accent. Like she's well, so formal. She refers to Sophia as mother. She yeah. goes, mother lives in Shady Pines. And yeah. I'm like, this is Dorothy, the character of Dorothy trying to impress this woman yeah. whose house she wants to move into. So I just, I love that because when you do meet someone for the first time, your walls are up, you're a little guarded, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're worried maybe about how you might come across, you know, there's like weird social stuff. They're obviously not yet fully comfortable with each other. And I thought it was just really perfectly portrayed like in a very realistic way. Yeah, it felt very in natural. The very, even mm -hmm. even the transition to them having the story about it, like to them getting together at night. Because how often, I mean, just especially as we get older, how often do we just sort of reminisce as, it's one of the things that I love with friends is like, remember when we did this or we had this? And yeah, you've heard the story 
17 different times in 17 different ways, but yet it's still fun to sort of sit there and reminisce about it because it's a moment where people were together who love each other and still love each other and want to share that moment again and keep the love going. There's also something I really liked where, you know, in a lot of sitcoms, you'll see a friend group and you'll be like, wow, these people are all so different. How are they even friends? And I love that in this episode, you see that Rose Blanche and Dorothy couldn't stand each other when they first lived together because they're so different yeah. and that they learn to love each other's differences and eccentricities. And there's an acceptance there mm -hmm. that I think is just unspoken in other shows when you see friend groups where you're like, how are these people even friends? Yeah. And I like yeah. that they sort of like lifted the veil a little bit to be like, no, no, it actually takes work because yeah. of their differences, yeah. but they've decided it's worth it. Yeah. It made me, it made me think of as I was watching, cause I thought about that too. And as I was watching it, it made me think of friends and sort of those episodes where they flash back to, you know, uh, Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox, like being sort of frenemies in high school and sort of frenemies, but not really. But like Jennifer Aniston was a bit the daft one who was like a bit elitist and a bit whatever. And there was the the fat girl, Courtney Cox, who was sort of like just friends because with the popular girl and the, they kind of, you know what I mean? Like it, you, you had those origin stories that so well established the type of relationship that they grew into and yeah. it, it shows you that journey that this this friend group really went on. It's the same with this episode too. It shows you how they went from even just in the in the supermarket, like you were saying, between Rose and Blanche. Rose thinks she's just being funny, her naivete and her like sort of daftness. But in reality, that's just Rose. And we know that's Rose. We as the audience know it's Rose. Yeah. So it's so fun to see Blanche not react to Rose in sort of like a oh you idiot way. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, because she doesn't know that about her yet. Yeah. Um, so for anybody who needs a refresher, um, you know, this this whole episode is about how um, Rose, Blanche, and Dorothy can't sleep because they stayed up late watching Psycho, which, of course, is like the iconic 1960 horror movie that was directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Um, it was very innovative um, for its time because the film's lead character, Marion Crane, she is stabbed. 45 minutes into the movie, yeah. nobody saw it coming. It was a huge shock. You normally don't see your lead, your protagonist die played, like that played in, a by movie, the, in the horror movie. The great Janet Lee, mother of yes. Jen, Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. She is horror movie royalty. Yeah. Um, so anyway, what, was also, interesting, what oh. was also interesting about Psycho, just what always fascinates me about Psycho is people think of Alfred Hitchcock and they think of scary movies. They think he's a scary movie director. But before Psycho, he wasn't really directing scary movies. He was directing thrillers, sure. Sometimes mm -hmm. comedy, sometimes lighthearted, sometimes serious. But he wasn't directing these murder films that people like to credit him with. And it was in 1960 with Psycho and some of the films that followed, like like The Birds and like, you know, Frenzy and other films, that he definitely sort of went in a more scary movie direction. But Psycho really was his first scary movie, and it terrified people on a level like i mean the exorcist came out 13 years after psycho but like it the same level of shock and horror that people had from what like mm -hmm. people fainting in the audiences and stuff they had yeah. that with psycho and because it was loosely based on a true story and so it's this whole and they they push that out there that like psycho is a real story psycho happened all these different things and it really made people so scared 
It was Ed Gein, right? I think that's his name. Yeah, Ed Gein. And and it's it's very, I would say, it, very loosely It was like loosely part based. psycho and he was like a little leather face too, Yes, maybe? yeah. It's yeah. not, if you read anything on him, you'll be like, how is this psycho? But just stick with it. But it's in there. It's just yeah. not fully based on him. Yep. So the women can't sleep. So they basically sit around talking about the way the way that they met. And we mm-hmm. see it in flashbacks and it's really, really fun. Um, but before we get into it, the women are talking about how scared that they are be from watching Psycho. And Dorothy and Blanche have a really fun exchange here. I never should have watched it either. It always upsets me, especially that shower scene. Oh. But it's the reason I prefer not to shower alone. <laughs> Sure, Blanche. And Goldilocks and the Three Bears is why you prefer not to sleep alone. <laughs> I mean, she's got a point. I I felt so bad. I hate that this movie ruined the place where Blanche experienced her first kiss. I know. Oh my you know? god! I never even thought about that. Good yeah. connection. Oh my Golden goodness. points like, no. to carry. Wow. Um, what's also fun is that usually on the Golden Girls, the women end up around the kitchen table late at night eating cheesecake. Later in the episode, when they're trying to like figure out what to do about whatever problem they're having, like, oh no, yeah. am I going to marry Dr. Jonathan Newman? But in this episode, we get cheesecake at the start. The episode starts with the late night cheesecake, and that is wonderful. It's also foreshadowing too, because cheesecake becomes the thing that bonds them. So it, yes. it there's a bit of a oh, okay, this cheesecake has more to it than we think. <laughs> yes, it yes it does. Yes. Um, so. Blanche is basically like, oh, my gosh, I'm having so much fun eating cheesecake and laughing with you girls. Like, I never used to do this with my old to- my old roommates who, when she describes them, they basically sound like Big Edie and Little Edie from Grey Gardens. I That's who I was would picturing. die to see not a full on spinoff series, but just a special, just like a one hour special play of Blanche living with these two past roommates. I want to know who they are. I want to know where they went and I want to know what happened to them. Well, we know she does say later they're from Minnesota and she says two older eccentric women um, and she basically kicked them out because they bathed together and flossed each other's teeth, which I was like, mm, come on, Blanche. You know, they kind of judgmental of you. True. But also that is a little weird. You know who they reminded me of um, uh, in Bridesmaids? Kristen Wiig lives with. Uh, oh, God, what's her name? Now I'm blanking on her name, but she lives with the the two British people, the Matt yes, Lucas, Matt Lucas, yes. and 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 Rebel Wilson. Thank you, Rebel Wilson, and yeah. and they have that sort of similar relationship where they're taking baths together, and they're sort of yeah. So it kind yeah. of made me think of them. Yes. Uh, so Rose or so Blanche, um, you know, says that after she kicked these women out, she had put up a flyer at the supermarket, which leads us to our first flashback, part one: Blanche meets Rose. It's so good. Um, it's such a it's such a moment. I don't ever remember like billboards like this or like push pin boards at at supermarkets like this. But I love that this this was the spot where Blanche was like, "I'm gonna find my roommate here." And also, the supermarket becomes even more important later in the episode too. This supermarket got a lot of action. It did. It got a lot of action. That was a yeah, well used set. Um, I do like that this moment really showcases what a selfless person Rose is um, because she's looking for a roommate because she had found a cat a week ago, mind you. And her landlord was like, you can't keep the cat. So instead of finding the cat, a new home, Rose is like, we will find a new home. That's like, my kind she of only pet knew that owner. cat for a week. That's my kind of pet owner. I mean, 
I, I, oh, it's such a struggle because I understand sometimes getting an, but if you're not prepared to get the animal, don't get the animal. You, yeah, Rose is a great pet owner. You move with the kitty. Yeah, I just, I thought that was really sweet. Um, So she's holding this cat, Mr. Peepers. Um, And at first, Rose and Blanche hit it off. Blanche thinks that, like you said, all of Rose's dumb questions are, she thinks it's a bit that she's doing. She thinks it's hilarious Mm -hmm. until she realizes that they aren't bits. And we have that moment to play. Stop it, girl, you're killing me. (laughs) Oh, but I'm not a stick in the mud. Oh, listen, I can let my hair down and get crazy with the best of them. (laughs) Hey, I think we get along great. I got a feeling you're a wild woman. (laughs) Oh, you bet I am. (laughs) I eat raw cookie dough. (laughs) And occasionally, I run through the sprinklers and don't wear a bathing cap. And at Christmas, I've been known to put away more than one eggnog. What's the matter? I think I better keep looking. I, I mean, would that uh, be a, would that be a red flag for you? No, because I'm I'm not. That would be my definition of wild too. So I feel <laughs> like that sounds amazing. What about you? Um, I. Uh... I don't know if it would be a red flag, but it would concern me maybe because I feel like even though I do, I can relate to much of what Rose was saying, I do feel like our lives would be very different. You know what I mean? In terms of our interests and what we would talk about and maybe the things we'd like. Like I, her, listening to her say that, I'm going to be like, so you're not going to want to watch a naughty movie at 10 p.m., do you? You don't want to be scared at 10 p.m. Like that, I would have those kind of concerns about about this potential roommate. I mean, she eats raw cookie dough. That's incredibly dangerous. You could get seminal. Who doesn't eat raw cookie dough? I don't. Do you not? Maybe. Yeah. Not really. You do. You do. Just a little bit. Maybe just a little taste. Just a little taste. Oh, I'll admit to having a full on spoonful. You are like you're going into like a southern. There's a there's a thing that's happening here. It's I'm really enjoying it. I have been listening to. I have an interview coming up with Dolly Parton as we talked about, and I have been listening to a lot of Dolly speak. So I think some of that's coming off on me. Yeah, you do. You sound very Steel Magnolias yeah, right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, the look on Blanche's face as Rose lists off all those wild things. It's like. The look on her face is so great. This realization of like, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. Like when you just realize you stepped in dog shit. Um, So Blanche is like, look, the two of us have nothing in common. It wouldn't work out. Like it's for the best. And then the boy strolls up to Rose Mm -hmm. and says, can I pet your cat lady? I don't know why. Something is about this sentence coming from this boy's mouth is so unsettling to me. I didn't even think about that. You're naughty. (laughs) If there was no comma there, it would just sound like, can I pet your cat lady? Like, there's a cat lady over there, a woman who owns a lot of cats. Can I pet her? There's something about this boy. But but I started to think I know what it was that was so unsettling. So he's like, hey, my cat Harbo died. And my mom said I could have another one. And Rose is like, well, you can have Mr. Peepers. And he's like, can I call him Harpo? And she's like, sure. And then he walks away and he's like, mom, thanks lady. Again, he calls her lady. So there are a million reasons why Rose should have found this child's mother and checked (laughs) with her, obviously, before giving the cat away. But I think there's one possible reason that is way more unsettling than the rest. What if this kid killed his cat harpo 
Wow. Bear with me. This is the, the Halloween parents, episode, isn't this it? This is the Halloween episode. And the parents just find the cat one day and it's dead. And they're like, holy shit, Timmy killed the cat. And they're like, we can never get another pet again, you know, but, but Timmy wants to kill again. You know, he has to kill again. Um, so he's now just wandering around the town looking for a stray cat or an idiot who will just give him a cat for free. And then he meets Rose and she gives him a cat and he's like, I'm going to name it Harpo because he wants to kill Harpo again. He wants to relive that moment. I, you went full on conspiracy dark and that I love. (laughs) I don't know if I agree with it, but I love it. Did you notice how after he takes the cat, he's like, mom and walks off screen like it's so fake there's no mom there like he delivers the line the same like totally fake way that kevin McAllister does when he wants the robbers to think his parents are home when he's home alone and he's like dad can you help me like hang up the ornaments and there's no parent there like clearly and nobody's buying it like this kid's mother is not at the grocery store she's at home building an underground bunker in case her and her husband have to hide from their murderous son if he decides to come after them and you know lest they meet the same fate as poor Harpo I I I'm I'm kind of speechless um but at the same time I support this entire journey okay fun Halloween fact. <laughs> That same actor does the voice of the good guy doll in the Chucky movies. Oh, really? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That is such a fun little factoid. Wow. Now, it makes sense why he would kill his cat. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's the he's the good guy doll before. I mean, Chucky is like the the killer that, oh, yeah. you know, whose soul inhabits the, the doll's body. But he's the one going like, hi, want to play? I mean, he's the voice that it reverts back to when he has to be cute. So there. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that was just sort of my my theory about this boy and the cat because there's just something off about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I support this. I don't know if I want to go down that journey because I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I will I will walk with you hand in hand wherever you want to go. Great. So Blanche sees this weird interaction between Rose and the future serial killer, and she's like, what the heck? Come live with me. Uh, so now Blanche has one roommate down, one more roommate to find. Um, so she puts an ad in the paper and, uh, we see Blanche like interviewing this woman named Madam Zelda, who is, I don't know. She's like a sort of a bohemian psychic. She's like, her vibe. she's like, I mean, I mean, yeah, I would say that she's very sort of bohemian, like kind of like Crystal Lady, sort of like you know Stevie Nixie. Yeah, I feel like that's a good Stevie Nixie yeah. is a good way to describe Stevie her. Nixie. Yeah. Um. So she basically tries to like chase Blanche out of the house by being like, "Somebody was murdered in here. You have to leave at once." And blah 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 blah. Uh, and then she leaves, uh, which leads us to part two. Blanche meets Dorothy Ugh. and Sophia. Wait, we should take a break before we get to Dorothy. I feel like that's a this is a perfect break opportunity. Let's do it. So when Dorothy and Sophia come to look at the house, uh, Blanche is like, are you interested in both rooms? 
um, which I thought was a little interesting because Rose had already locked in the first bedroom. Yeah. And at first I was wondering if maybe they just swapped the scenes around in editing and that Blanche actually showed Dorothy and Sophia the rooms first and then Rose. But that's not actually the case because when the girls are eating cheesecake in the kitchen at the beginning, Blanche is like, and this is where I met Rose. So what I'm thinking is that Susan Harris, the writers, they knew that there are going to be people like me who were like, wait a minute, if she only has two rooms for rent, why, where does Sophia end up getting a bedroom? Because obviously Sophia lives with them in current day. Um, so I think there's actually a third bedroom that Blanche has for rent so that when Dorothy and Sophia come by, Rose has already booked the first room, leaving two available. And then after Rose and Dorothy move in, she just like doesn't fill this room. And then Sophia eventually gets it. That was sort of my theory on yeah, why I was Blanche thinking says, that, are you interested in both rooms? Because like, as they were doing it, I was thinking like, like if if Dorothy and, and Rose move in, or they just have that spare bedroom as sort of like a guest bedroom, which I guess makes sense. But if you're renting, like... I mean, I don't know, I guess. Or maybe an office. Yeah, that could be. Or Rose's, or or not Rose's, Blanche's sex dungeon. Yeah, so I feel like she had two roommates and she was like, eh, I'm making enough for my mortgage. I'll just leave this room available. And then when Sophia moves in, Sophia takes the room. Um, what I love about um, Blanche and Dorothy, or uh, Sophia and Dorothy meeting Blanche is that even from minute one, Sophia is just giving it to Blanche, just digging yeah. into her. And I no love, holding love, back. love. Yeah, she doesn't hold back from the moment she meets her. And we actually have a really funny um, scene to play. You'll have to excuse my mother. She recently had a stroke and uh, her perception is a little, uh, you know, distorted. Oh, yeah, I understand. No, you know. <laughs> with a tour of the house and later on we'll sit down and go over that application you filled out oh, wonderful oh your house is just breathtaking i know <laughs> you said it looked like a dump from the outside i mean <clears throat> i i mean the fact that she yeah she lost that ability the stroke thing whatever the excuse was which i don't believe exists but um but she's also just that perfect person who just you can't keep you can't be cool around her because she will she will just expose you completely. Like if you're if you're trying hard to be cool, Sophia will expose you. And we're seeing it live right now. And that's what I love. I love that like Dorothy going like, oh, what a beautiful how, you know, like Dorothy, like nobody is being themselves in this scene except for Sophia. Um, I love the way she goes. No, you don't. It's like it was such a good delivery. Um, also, when Blanche gives them a tour of the lanai, she does the sort of same like clickety clackety walking on my high heels presentation stroll that she yeah. does when shrimp in that yes. moment like it's yes. it's all it's it's just it's just missing that little bit of humiliation but otherwise it's the same exact movement um there's also a fun sophia line when um uh blanche is saying that you can like sunbathe topless and and the neighbors can still yeah. see you <laughs> And Sophia says, that woman has slut embroidered on her underwear. <laughs> that is some Golden Girls fan merch. I would love to see some deep cut shit. Oh my shit God, that, that would just, be great. It just says embroidered underwear that says slut on it. Like That would be genius. Someone needs yeah. to do that. Someone get on that immediately. Yeah, that's another like fun deep cut yeah. thing that I think would be fun. Maybe for a deep us. cut Halloween costume. 
Ooh, maybe. <laughs> um, I also love that um, Dorothy. So after that scene is over, there's like some voiceover bridging. Yeah, you know, a time time. Dorothy's Dorothy's voiceover, like... which I love to. Th- I mean, it's just such a perfect voiceover that you know she's not in the kitchen. I just love it. I love I love moments like that. I love that she insults Rose in her voiceover because she's talking to Rose and Blanche, but yeah. she still insults Rose where she says something like, you know, like I was sure I'd blown the interview, but then I showed up and met Rose and realized I could have like shown up naked playing a ukulele and I still would have gotten the room. <laughs> so I'm like, you're saying that to her face, but I guess that's what they do. Yeah. Um, which leads us to part three, Dorothy yes. meets Rose. Um, I love that Rose, again, just so sweet right off the bat. She offers condolences to Dorothy because Stan dumped her. She offers her bubble bath for mm-hmm. the pain. Um, and and then this is sort of where things start to take a little bit of a turn for the women in their relationship. Yeah. Because Rose accidentally, when she's helping Dorothy move in, she knocks over and breaks a vase yes. that Blanche's grandmother gave to her on her deathbed. And this is also the second vase that Rose will be responsible for shattering in that living room on Richmond Street. I wish you would have shot Lester. <laughs> Hold on. Why is that playing? Oh, no, we don't have a clip Oh, yet. wait. Why? I'm sorry. Sorry. My brain. That's okay. I was ready for the clip because I, the ice cream. Yes. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Yes. So we're going to talk about ice cream for a second. Um, so, yeah, Rose feels awful and she wants to take the women out to her favorite restaurant, which is Dairy Queen. So before we play this moment, though, so this is the act break moment. And yes. the act break is usually a big like, uh-oh moment. Like, yeah. oh. You know, again, Jock to Jock, the going to ask me to marry him. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So the music usually reflects that. But in this episode, nothing's really wrong in this moment. Yeah. She's like, I'm so sorry. Let's go to Dairy Queen. And they're like, okay, let's go to Dairy Queen. So they play the music that we usually hear at the end of an episode. Yeah. So it feels really weird. Which is probably why at episode. the end of the episode, when they do the sign off, it's sort of that weird dun, 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 dun. Like music that happens at the end of the episode. Yeah, because this is the end of the episode music, but they're playing it at the act break. It just feels like it's supposed to be the end of the episode. So I just wanted to play that moment because it's a little jarring for it to not be the end of the episode. Since this is our first night as roommates, I'd like to invite the two of you to dinner at my favorite restaurant. Oh, that's well, very sweet. Thank you, Rose. Well, then we better hurry because the oh. strawberry blizzard special at the Dairy Queen only lasts till five. <laughs> Come on, I'll drive. Oh, let's not drive. Let's skip there. <laughs> not the end of the episode. I like how in Carrie's note, it rarely tells me like an exact note of like, you know, you have to end at with the music, but you were very specific on like, we have to hear the music in this. And I didn't, there was no explanation why, but now I know why. Now you know why. So question for you. Yes. How far between, so like this moment of Dorothy and Rose moving in, how much time passes between that day and where we meet them in the pilot with Coco? Like, what do you think that is? Like a year? Like, how long do you think they've known each other? I think when after, we actually get to the pilot episode, I think after the what we're about to see the 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 supermarket fiasco and the food fiasco and the kitchen fiasco, 
they all agree, you know what? We're we're splitting the rent and we're everything's gonna be cheaper. So like let's just splurge and get a living butler, which is like a splurge that I would never ever fathom in my life, even if I had roommates. But they think let's just make it easy on ourselves and just have someone that can just do this for us. And we don't have to worry about the grocery shopping or the cleaning or anything like that. And I think, I think that's where the logic comes. It's like a month or so after the supermarket fiasco from this episode. Okay. So you think that's when they hired Coco? I think so. But, but then, so I'm going to say to me, I would say that it's like there's like a year that's gone by. So maybe they've hired Coco, but now Coco's been with them for like, or maybe like six months or something. Oh, you mean it's when like, Coco starts? Yeah, I mean, I could see uh, that like, some time has settled in, a couple of months at the very least. Yeah, because yeah. in the pilot episode, Blanche, it, it still feels like they're friends, but they're not as close as they are in later episodes. Yes. So I don't know. I was just curious. To I would know say, how much I would say at, at, at least three months has passed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, after when the show comes back, we're back with the women eating cheesecake around the table. It's 2 AM. They're all wide awake, but it's, I mean, it could be because they're still scared, but they're also just pumping their bodies full of sugar sugar, by eating. They eat like pretty much a whole cheesecake, which is, Um, I mean, I can't even listen. I can put one back. Trust me. I mean, now that I'm on that Ozempic journey, not so much, but like I can put some stuff back, but that is something late at night that I could not do because I'm foreshadowing thinking of like the heartburn that is going to come when I go to bed. Can I tell you, um, my mom was just in town for a week. She left this morning, um, but she bought a like a Boston cream pie cake. Um, and uh, last night she and I went to Ralph's, uh, we went to a grocery store and we bought some Powerball tickets cause the Powerball's up. It was up to like 1.5 yeah, 1. 5 5 billion or something. Billion. Yeah. And we, we spent like 10, like 10 bucks. We got like five lines or whatever. And, and we laid them all out. And then, and as we're waiting for them to call it, we're talking about like, what would we do if we actually won? Oh God. And, and I've never, I've never played, I've never played the lottery. Like my entire really? life, I would get scratch tickets when I was a kid. But, and I, the reason I don't play it, I've learned this about myself, is that when I don't win, it's very depressing. Oh, sure. Even though I get, I get my hopes up every single time. And I'm, I feel like such an idiot for saying this, but we had done the five lines and we didn't win anything. And I was so depressed that I ate like half of this Boston <laughs> cream pie cake at like 10 o'clock at night. Ooh. My mom was like, trying to go to sleep but i was like it's just not fair boston cream pie is so (laughs) delicious i don't get depressed at those things i really don't i Stan doesn't either stan's like it's you know if you win it's all luck but you're not gonna i mean it's all luck like i don't think yeah no it doesn't really bother me i do though i definitely play like whenever we go to the store they have that machine and if i have dollars on me which with drag i have dollars a lot so like you know i just put a few dollars in Get a little thing. I don't buy a lot at a time. I'm always like, you know what? If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. I'll get it on this one. And so, boom. I just I just put it put it in my bag. And then a lot of times, I don't even check for weeks. Like, literally, the drawing has gone I by. check as soon as it plays. Oh, I no, not me. About I put it. it in my little bag, and then I pull it out, and I'm like, oh, I should check this. And I get on my phone, and I check it, and then I realize I'm a loser. See, I have to change the way I think about it, because here's another thing I do. The moment I learn the numbers, I try to, like, memorize them, because I'm like, <laughs> what if I time travel tonight? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and, but this is this is the thing though. Here's the crazy thing: is that when you get the numbers for the Powerball, when the Powerball is up to like 1.5 billion, 
billion dollars. You look at those numbers and you go like, wow, this is the most powerful information. These like seven numbers, six numbers, however it is, is the most powerful information that I have right now that I didn't have a second ago. And if I had this information an hour ago, my life would be completely different. Isn't that just a weird concept? I mean, yes. Yes, it is. It is. But I wonder, what would you do if you won? Stan and I have already talked about it. We would give, we would like, we would change the world is what we would do. Aww. We would, we would keep like 5 million in like a high yield savings account. We would get, and then we would be like, all right, what do we want to solve? Yeah. Right. What, climate change. Great. Who, let's call Elizabeth Warren. What are we going to do? That's yeah. what we would do with it. We would buy a house. We put 5 million in the bank and the rest is we would try to make the world a better place for our child to grow up in. Yeah. I would just make sure that I'm taken care of first and then I would do everybody else. Well, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. I'm saying yeah. buy a house and then. Yeah, of course. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Make it all make it all right. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> make it all right. It all You're right. So, you get such a dolly energy. <laughs> OK, sorry. I took us off track with that Powerball thing. So in this scene, we get a really fun Blanche story that was actually in our Blanche's top 10 horniest moments episode, which if you haven't listened to it, you have to. You have to because it, it's duh. so good. Um, but it's the, it's the, my bosoms had the power to make music story. Um, it's so good. And, and then we, we get to the, the grocery store scene where, you know, Rose is like, oh my gosh, I love how much fun we have together. And Dory's like, well, Dorothy's like, it always hasn't been this easy. And I love the thing I love about this scene is I feel like it really does depict real issues that roommates have, which is totally food. Whose is it? Who pays for it? Do you share? Yeah. It's a very delicate balance. Do you offer? Are you the one always cooking? You know what I mean? I, you know, I never really had to deal with that except for one roommate in New York that I had. It was our our ways of living were just very, very different. And uh, now in retrospect, I know it was not a good living situation, but uh, very different. And so we had that and it was always kind of weird and I just, I hated it. I was always very independent minded. So I was just like, I'll buy my own shit. Like, stop it. I'm not sharing it. Like, we don't need to share anything. You know what I mean? So I made it so that like, she was like, oh, well, we could go in together on coffee so that you can just have, and I'm like, no, I'll just get coffee at the office. I'm, I don't want to deal with doing that. <laughs> like, I would actively not have coffee in the apartment just so that I wouldn't have to go in and split coffee with somebody. <laughs> Sure. Oh, yeah. I I'm feel horrible. like I haven't had any bad situations. Like, I feel like I, when I had roommates, it was always like, kind of like you buy your own food, but like we were always making separate meals, but then there would be things that we would both get like coffee, you know, yeah. we just kind of take turns, but we had our own like milks, like our own yeah. everything otherwise. And it yeah. was never, you know, our own snacks. It was never really an issue. Yeah. yeah. And then you just share, like, and yeah. you just be like, Hey, I have, I've got pizza. It's much pizza? easier. It's much easier when like you're in a partnership with someone or like a marriage or whatever it is, because that way it's just like, well, fuck you. I mean, I'll get what you know what I mean? Like I'll buy what I want. You can when you want your milk, you go buy milk. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. In my case, it's house money. It's shared yeah. money. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, and also I enjoy cooking. Yeah. Um, and I'm the little homemaker. Um <laughs> I love so their issues are like, I mean, Blanche just wants to buy everything. She wants to buy expensive smoked oysters because they're an aphrodisiac. Um, you know, she wants to buy like a pork loin, all these tabloids. 
Um, I think the women are embarrassed when Rose, they all have different methods of seeing how a cantaloupe is good. I love the way that Rose does it. I had, I was also wondering, I was like, did they just give Betty White really overripe cantaloupes? She, cause she was using like a key to cut those things open. And she was just getting in there. Either that or they were already pre cut. I bet they were pre cut. Probably. Maybe, yeah, I could see that because cantaloupes are really. But it hard really to cut looked into. like she got in there, like it. It, it did, yeah. didn't it? Is Maybe. she just that good of an actor? She's a hand actress as well, guys. Hand acting as well. Mm, wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, then they uh, they get back home. Here's what I love about the moment they get back home: the women aren't talking to each other, and I have to say, respect to a sitcom that goes thirty seconds without a single character speaking because that is prime real estate yeah. you want all these jokes at the per end page. of the show too at the end of the episode yes at the end of the episode there's no talking but in in this moment just the women kind of like shutting cabinets and rustling the the paper bags it was it said there were no words and yet it said so much, so much. about these characters in this moment um and they, they, all the women, as they're unpacking groceries, they can't decide how to store the raisin bran. Yeah. Now that, they uh, wait, all realize... I'm glad you brought up the raisin bran because this was very important sure. to me. And I don't know if we discussed this on the original one. We probably did if it stands out to me now. But, do, I mean, would you ever refrigerate raisin bran? No, but I do refrigerate certain things that other people probably don't. Like I put bread in the refrigerator. I put that makes like sense. potatoes and stuff only because my potatoes, they always end up growing spuds. And I'm like, yeah. I got to keep them in the fridge because I, I may not cook them for no, a I couple often, days or whatever. I often will put bread in the freezer because I don't eat it fast enough for it to not go bad. So I just take it out when I need it. You know what I mean? Like that's, I, I do that with bagels. I do that with lots of things. But so that makes sense to me. But raisin bran. I've just never heard of anyone doing that. I'm in Blanche's side here completely. I'm also on Blanche, on Rose's side too because if you put it in a glass jar, it's visibly like appealing and you get to see how much they like, you know, jerked you out of. I also feel like with the glass jar, you know how much is left, you know, where if you're just like looking at a box, I'm like, I don't know what's left in there. I do agree it's more visibly appealing, but I'm also like, I can't be bothered to like yeah. put things no. in other things. I mean, like forget it. Yeah. Um, so after all of this, they, the women all realize they're probably not going to get along. They probably shouldn't live together, which leads us to part four. Dorothy and Blanche meet their first St. Olaf story, yeah. which is one of the classics. I mean, it's I classic. You guys, the, uh, something that a lot, not all people know about me, but if you listen to the podcast, you probably do. But I'm never really a huge, huge fan of the St. Olaf stories, except for this one. This one is like the number one. So this is the one about the Great Herring War between the Lindstroms and the Johansons, the two families that controlled the most fertile herring waters off the coast of Norway. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sort of band together, but then they can't decide what to do with the herring. The Johansons want to pickle it. The Lindstroms want to train them for the circus. Now, the acting in this scene is so natural and prolific that people often falsely identify it as a story that Betty White improvised yeah. on the day which made Rue and B break character and laugh. This is not true. This was a scripted story. They're just that good. Yeah. Uh, and we actually have a little bit of it that we can play. Uh, tell me, Rose, um... <laughs> did they ever shoot a herring out of a cannon? <laughs> I 
wants. <laughs> but they shot him into a tree. <laughs> After that, no other herring would do it. Oh. <laughs> You're making this up. I, I love that the person in the audience is literally cackling cackling yeah. at this story yeah well it's a really funny story um and, and, and it really does like i mean yeah the act the women laughing reacting it is so fun and magical and it almost feels like it's they're really laughing which i mean they are but at the same time like they, this is probably the third or fourth time they've 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 heard this they've done this scene they've rehearsed it like they've read it on the paper so like they know what's coming so you know, it's it's acting, of course, but it just feels so natural. It feels like when you watch um, the rehearsal from when um, the they replaced all of the Blanche men of Blanche's boudoir calendars with crew members. Yes, yes. Up and the women opened it and they were surprised and they're all laughing. It feels a little bit oh, like that, you know. I can't. I can't. Um, so after all of this laughing and like wiping away the tears of laughter, the girls realize they're actually having a lot of fun together and they know it's going to take some time and work, but they're, they all agree to give it a shot and try to get along as roommates. Um, and after like, and I love that it's sort of this St. Olaf story that brings them all together. And I like to imagine that the reason that Dorothy and Blanche hate Rose's St. Olaf story so much in this series is because it's the reason they didn't break up. Yeah. Like every time Rose pisses them off, oh, Jesus Christ, if she had never told that first St. Olaf story, we wouldn't even be sitting next to each other yeah. on a live talk show as two lesbians who live together. Like <laughs> it's the callback for everything. Yeah. Everything that they, every situation they find. So when they hear that St. Olaf story, they're just reminded, oh God, that's why we still live with this idiot. Um, <laughs> and then Rose busts out, like you had said earlier, the first cheese cake and thus begins the beginning of, of a beautiful cheesecake romance seven season long friendship oh. um so then back in present day the women are about to get up and go to bed which again you already have so many amazing moments in this episode and then you get sophia bursting into the kitchen With holding knife. the butcher knife that's been so perfectly polished before she came in it is shining off those studio lights it is such and the way she is cackling in the I mean, in a way that it just feels like it's actually just Estelle Getty cackling. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's so it's natural. It's yeah. so it's all of the acting. It's so natural. Yeah. And I wonder because you remember Mike Dennison, friend of the podcast, yes. huge Golden Girls fan, Golden Girls artist. Mike Dennison made Sophia holding the um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. butcher knife into a T-shirt. Mm -hmm. So I'd be very curious to know if you go, if you Google Mike Dennison, D-E-N-I-S-O-N, um, you might still be able to find that T-shirt on it's his um, on one of his stores because he did have some T-shirts for sale. And he has a lot of other really great T-shirts. Um, so, yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's such an iconic moment and like just big Halloween vibes all around yeah. Sophia in that moment. I mean, fully. It's just, this is why this is the closest thing to a Halloween episode for me is just her coming in with that knife. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great. And that's, and that's the episode and it's, it's really nice and lovely. It's and, so nice. And, and it is, it's, it's, it's nice to see how, 
you know, the girls have identified the fact that they're going to have differences, but they're like, you know, let's, let's work through them and be friends. And yeah. that feels like, cause real fr- friendships are work. Yeah. And they are. I like that they, that they really call that out in this episode. Friendships are work. Friendships okay. take work and that's okay. I love that. Well, should we take a break and come back with our golden takeaways? Yes. And we are back with our golden takeaways, which is a nugget of truth or inspiration that you can apply to your life or the lives of our listeners. Carrie, take it away. Uh, This is a simple one. Um, I think that I need to, when I decide to watch a scary movie, I need to do it during the day because when I watch scary movies at night, I end up losing sleep because I feel so scared. I need to start thinking of scary movies like Saturday morning cartoons. Like I need to wake up and sit in front of the TV when the sun is out with a bowl of cereal to watch them in order to get sleep that night. Yeah, I can see that. I've learned this about myself more recently. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I mean, just cause it's just, but also I like a good daytime scary movie. Like why not? You know what I mean? Yeah, why not? Why right. Not? My, what is your golden takeaway? My from golden episode? takeaway from this episode is when we became friends, we were very polar opposite people. We kind of are still very polar opposite people in terms of how we approach things and how we work things out. We're also very similar in lots of ways, too. But I do think that going on 10 years of doing this podcast, nearly, and that's, of course, then 10 years of a friendship, it does take work because we aren't the same people. We aren't the same type. We don't work the same way. We have very different lives in terms of just how we live. And yet... It just works. So I think that's sort of like a nice sort of like metaphor from this episode too, that like the two of us should probably not be as good of podcast hosts as we are together. But for some reason it works because we balance each other and hopefully, I mean, people listening, they enjoy it. So like maybe we're doing something right, but it, 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 I think it's very similar to the girls in this episode in a lot of ways. I saw very many similarities between us and them in this episode. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I realize I do appreciate us. I feel like like your strengths are my weaknesses and vice versa, mm-hmm. where we do balance each other out in yeah. certain ways, in nice ways. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think that's a really nice GT. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. <laughs> well, everyone, uh, this has been another episode of Out on the Lanai. And remember, it is golden, spooky October. So we will catch you back here next week for some golden, scary shit. <laughs> and guys, remember, we are a part of Mom Moguls of Media. So go support, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to, to Mom Plus for all their fantastic stuff. And you can follow us on social media at Golden Girls Pod on Twitter, X or whatever it is, and Golden Girls Pod on Facebookles, or you can do Out on the Lanai Official on Instagram, Facebookles. I like that, Facebookles. I'm Sadie Pine slash H. Allen Scott on everything. And I am Squidzy on Instagram and Squid Eat Squid on Twitter. And if you want to support us in this podcast and the work that we do for the Golden Girls community, we would love it if you would give us a great rating and review wherever you get this podcast, because that means more people will discover it and join our lovely kick-ass community of Golden Girls fans. Which we love. And as always, remember, stay golden! Stay golden! 
Adam Lanai is not endorsed by Wit Thomas Harris Productions, Touchstone Television, Disney, or any of its subsidiaries. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names, pictures, audio, and video clips of the Golden Girls are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and or copyright holders. 